Welcome to the Lori Life Podcast, where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. In this season three, we focus on advancing our well-being, personal lives, and careers, and hopefully we'll have some fun along the way. On today's episode, we discuss how to achieve that mindful, stress-free state. We're asking ourselves, what are the tools we can use to make this happen? I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Darlene, we are professional podcasters. We are in a real beautiful studio Yes, we're stepping it up. Feels I, good. And I feel great. We just talked to Sarah Robertson, who's our guest. That was great. Maybe my favorite guest we've ever had. What? Yeah. Wow. I I'm pretty I'm pretty high on the conversation. I think it was great. Definitely really, really good relevant content for yeah. sure. For sure. As far as practical tips and in keeping with this series. Yeah. And she and and I think that as well, like um gave a good anchor into her her own life as to why she is you know, passionate about the stuff she's passionate about now. And I, I thought that was really important and great. Um, before we get into that conversation, as always, we're following up on last week. Before we do that, how are you? What's up? What's I'm new? I'm good. I know it feels uh, we're normally we as listeners know, we normally are mm-hmm. not in the same place. Now know, that we have yeah. a studio and we are like pro styles. Yeah. We got to like get into this whole new vibe. It's, it's I good. Was, I think I was almost too comfortable on this couch. We had, I had yeah. coffee and water. This is just so great. I'm totally going to go to my head. My ego is going to skyrocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, use the tools to like dial it Dude. down that we learned today and last week. You're going to be like, Mike, why are you wearing sunglasses in the studio? <laughs> like, oh, my God. He's become insufferable <laughs> since we got this studio. This is just not working. I have an entourage now, <laughs> a bedazzled leather jacket. If you bedazzle anything, this is over. Okay. There's no bedazzling. I'll stay away from that. Okay. It, but you're well, good? I don't Things know, actually. Maybe that could be good. Um, no, I'm very good. I'm very good. And I'm I'm enjoying these, uh, these challenges. I mm-hmm. mean, we always talked about the fact that we thought it would be fun and just sort of um, something that's real and practical. Yeah. And I've been surprised just to think about you know, I need more tools. I didn't know yeah. that. I have. I feel like I use a lot of tools, but all of them have been useful. So this week was in particular quite good. So Agreed. I, and this happened to me totally naturally, right? So I had to follow up, had to do the challenge, answer the questions. I did it on the train and I pulled out what I mentioned last week that the sketch pad I have Yes. And so like writing and thinking with this natural tool that I now carry with me everywhere, it's working for me. Good. It's actually that. So now two week two's thing is helping me with week three thing. Week <gasps> three's thing. Yes. <laughs> and who knows what will happen after that? This could all snowball. By week 12. Enlightenment. Here we come. Oh, it's my God. <laughs> Mike's getting enlightened. Either. Okay. Yeah. So either I think where this is going is either I'm going to become a belligerent egomaniac rock star because of the studio, or, <laughs> or I will become like an enlightened sort of monk-like sage. character. I think you're probably getting closer to sage, <laughs> monk-like. That's yes. very kind of you to say, especially you might notice, um, those of you listening, that I get a little self-conscious during our conversation with Sarah. So this positive reinforcement that you're giving me is is wonderful, darling, I think. <laughs> yes, that's true, actually. That's true. <laughs> Okay, so um, do you want me to go first following up on last week's challenge? Yes. Okay. So uh, we had to do three things. We had to uh, list the things we want more of in our life, less of in our life, and practices to create momentum toward the things that we want more of. And, and mine's pretty simple. So, and I think it really works with today's conversation. I think so, so I feel like I'm on the right... Well, you don't even know what I'm about to say. <laughs> I'm just so used to agreeing with you. Yes, Yes, I think think what you're about to say is fantastic. Hopefully. (laughs) Okay. So what I wrote is I want more of true downtime. And that includes things like actually the time to be mindful, to sleep. I need sleep. And stillness. We talked about actually in the episode, bring back boredom. And I'm trying to make myself bored or find times to be bored. It'd be like literally do nothing. So more time, more downtime, less obligations. I want less obligations in my life. And by that, I mean stuff that I need to, that I think I need to do, but I don't want mm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the practice to create momentum toward those things, I'm going to say no to stuff. 
I'm on a lot of like, I do volunteer work. I'm on these boards that are very active and it's so easy to get caught up in all the stuff. So I'm going to start not being the first person to put up my hand, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. blocking time. So just blocking out times in my day that I can actually do the things that will, um, you know, provide me true downtime or be my downtime times. Uh, and we've implemented in my house a no phone zone, which um, will be useful because then when there is opportunity for downtime, I won't just grab my phone and What's just mind. What is the zone? An area? It's an area you put your phone. So it's, I know it seems like, like it's the whole time. zone. So the whole house is a no phone zone. Okay. And when you walk in the door, you put your phone in the little basket that we have. Okay. And then uh, it's basically from time we're home and time with kids until post bedtime, post dinner time. Maybe you can start opening. Maybe if it matters to you, then grab your phone and make sure you haven't missed anything. Um, but I'm my goal is just to like let it ride um, as I can. So yeah, those are my three things. Those are good. Thank as you. expected. And oh. as I knew they would be. Those are very good. Um, mine were... Okay, so it's funny you say downtime. So the thing that I want more of, I actually, I feel like I have downtime sometimes and then I am not comfortable with it. Like I, Mm -hmm. it is an open Mm -hmm. invitation to be downtime. And I'll give you a hard, this is a real example from this week, which is a little embarrassing. I was like, I'm going to watch something. As you know, I watch very few things on Netflix or anywhere. And I'm like, I'm going to watch something. I'm okay. going to watch the Bill Gates um, yes. Netflix thing. Yeah, And I, love that. I was going to take some like me time and just mm-hmm. watch this thing. And so my husband put the kids to bed and I was watching and he came down and he said, why are you playing Scrabble and <laughs> watching oh. Netflix? I'm like, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not, I can't yeah. not do things. Like I'm, I'm so unused to passively sitting, yeah. watching that I'm, I'm actually think my attention span is not good. Like I want to read the news in the boring uh-huh. parts. And this has been a major yeah. learning for me, which is that the nature of my work and life, as people know who listen to the podcast, is that it's very fluid um, and I'm not always on my phone. That's not mm-hmm. the case. But I've got I've developed a real intolerance for just like the boring parts, right? Bring like back I, boring. I didn't totally. So yeah. I didn't turn it off. Yeah. I was watching it sort mm-hmm. of and I was like, you know, playing Scrabble and, and this app. Um and I was trying to have downtime. Yeah. <laughs> until it was, you know, pointed out to me by an outsider that this is not what downtime Exactly. Was like. And I was like, he's absolutely right. Um and then for the remainder of the week, last night. I just went to bed at 8.30. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. You know, I'm like, yes. I'm really tired. So I'm just going to go to sleep and I'm just going to get up in the morning yeah. and things are going to be fine. And that was a lot better than what normally happens. So that's it. So comfort with downtime. Mm-hmm. Totally different than like, I want downtime. Yes. Because I don't know what to do with downtime. Well, to use it as true downtime. That, that, that's my goal. To yes. find it and then use it as true downtime. Yeah. Okay, so things that I want less of. Um, I really genuinely want um, concern with... What wait, wait, I'm, so your oh. thing you want more of was the exact same as mine? Yes. Oh, no. And I just, like, intuited <laughs> it. I know. I intuited it. And I hadn't even seen oh, what you were going to say. Okay. Um, okay, so the thing that I want less of is concern with what other people are doing. So this comes up. Mm. This is very unpeaceful. Like, when I use the word... When I'm thinking through this stuff, I think that there are certain things in my life that I find unpeaceful, meaning I'm going along with my calm ways and then something happens. It's like an input and the way I process it is either peaceful or not. And so one of the things that is unpeaceful to me is when other parents are like, well, you know, do you have your children signed up for Mm. these 43 things? And, you know, I have to fight really hard to be like, nope, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and to not assign any judgment or values to that. Um, and try to also think, okay, well, maybe I could in a peaceful way, like, because it's good for my kid and not because everyone else is doing it. Okay. Like, this yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah, the yeah. challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to get a bigger concern about just making, getting the confidence in my personal life that what I'm doing is right for me. Mm-hmm. And like accepting inputs, but just kind of like letting them bounce without internalizing them okay 
You know, I don't know. I think yeah. it's something that probably happens to everybody. Maybe in the no kids phase, it's like friend events or are you doing this? Are you in that class? La, la, la. I'm sure there's an equivalent. Um, and then so the ritual, the thing that I've been doing that I really love and I've been doing it for a while is when I go to pick up the kids, mm-hmm. I do a slight amount of cleanup to what do what I'm calling changing the channel. Mm-hmm. So I do a slight just move my computer, you know, put my phone away uh put my work on my phone away mm-hmm. put a song on that i find relaxing do the breathing it's not the box it's not well hang on. this is uh it's not we'll the breathing there. we're gonna get to one of my two assignments <laughs> one of my assignments <laughs> um but it's just like a, a calm changing gears before i go to the school and do the school and the daycare pickup um and that has just been great mm-hmm. and i'm starting to just like for the kids i'm starting to just want to create a calm space for them to come into and to be just vested in this is a calm zone because when i walk into their school i mean this is not a place of calm no (laughs) this place is crazy (laughs) and they're just used to that kind of level of mayhem and what i want them to come to is something calm where people aren't stressed people aren't you know so whatever 20 minutes invested to do that is just Mm -hmm. like such a thing and i've been working on that for a while but it's starting to kind of be more elaborate and, and make sense. So that's my ritual. Great. Yeah. Okay. Great follow-up. So now it's time to get to the goods. Um, we had Sarah Robertson just in the studio, and we're about yes. to throw to her interview. Anything you want to say before I do the intro? Nope. Okay. So here we go. So Sarah Robertson is the owner of Lime Horse at they focus on legal professionals and other professionals and providing them mindfulness professional development training. Um, there's online programs, there's flexible learning opportunities, there's in-person workshops, a whole host of things. And she uh, you know, has a list of certifications on this point that are amazingly uh, impressive. Um, she's trained at the University of California, Center for Mindful Studies. She's worked with the Toronto Marlies and Toronto Maple Leafs on these things. She teaches mindfulness and performance optimization at the University of Toronto. She's on an advisory board uh, on that certification. She's an expert in flow, and she's now working with the Mindfulness Law Society Task Force in the U.S. Uh, So, so much there. And without further ado, here is Sarah Robertson. Hi. Hi. Hey, welcome. <laughs> Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. Um, so lots to talk about today. Just to level set, I know that, um, well, you may have, may have heard previous episodes, um, but what we've done for this season is to get people to kind of set a baseline, a foundation of, um, you know, who they are and what they're trying to achieve with their, you know, personal lives, professional lives and so on. Yeah. Uh, and then start to build habits um, to get, you know, get them down that path. So today what we're hoping to do is talk about how we can focus, how we can avoid stress, how we can kind of continue on this journey with the skills and tools that that you teach people so often. So so thanks for coming. Great. Yeah, Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. So as you know, as a listener of the podcast, Sarah, as you've told, Sarah has listened to all but five of the Lawyer Life podcast Yikes. episodes. Yeah, I'm going to fangirl you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which was very uh, welcome news for Mike and I. So she's familiar with the format. She knows that in the summer on our law students episode, we had focused on how to help law students get through their schooling with a bit more mindfulness. And we had a we had Professor Thomas Telfer from the uh, Western Law School helping us with that. And this time what we want to do is t- turn the focus a little bit and address some of the comments that we had from some of our listeners, which were, how do lawyers in their day put this into practice? So, I mean, what do you think? What is the, first of all, before we get into it, I guess, what is the definition of mindfulness for you? So you're dealing with lawyers. What is it? Um, Well, I think for me, I know the sort of standard working definition is this paying attention on purpose to the present moment non-judgmentally, which can sound a little bit abstract. Um, For me, I really think I look at mindfulness more as a practice in, you know, realizing rather than a tool for relaxation. Mm. So really talking about bringing, you know, what is, you know, what we're unaware of into awareness or what is unconscious into consciousness, because that really allows us to make choices. So if you want to, you know, look at the numbers that we say, like about 47% of the time that our mind is wandering, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We don't, you know, that's a function of our evolution, but, you know, where our mind, where our mind is wandering to is really, you know, important in our well-being. 
we have approximately like 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day and somewhere around 90 to 95% of those are unconscious. So, you know, we're heavily emotionally driven, unconscious, unconsciously mm. driven, um, you know, mammals. And so being able to actively put effort into bringing um, what's, you know, occurring in our minds into awareness, um, I think, you know, it really promotes this idea of you know, choice and enhanced, you know, self-efficacy. And so were you thinking that lawyers were less mindful? Your business focuses on Mm -hmm. lawyers and other professionals. So is it your um, observation that lawyers struggle with this more than the average person? Or are we sort of in line with, uh, you know, like why focus on lawyers and other professionals? well, so I the interesting thing about the lawyers is I wasn't, you know, I didn't kind of have this dream necessarily of working with lawyers. I wasn't like that. It's sort of kind of. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm not. You guys are great. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But just, Podcast you know, to go into a sort of brief history of my journey to this place, um, I had worked in, uh, I had a management position um, at a utilities company for a period of time. And, um, you know, it was a high stress, high demand environment. Um, it really was sort of an unsustainable situation for me in the long run. And um, and I ended up actually going through kind of a rather acrimonious divorce at the same time. And, uh, and I had a young child. And so I, there were a lot of things going on in my life. And um, I actually ended up burning out as uh, as a result of, you know, my, I, I don't want to say like lack of ability to cope, but I didn't really have, you know, coping skills developed to deal with um, the situation at that time. And, you know, I know there's a lot, a lot of research that's come out about the mental health outcomes um, and substance use with lawyers. Um, I started, you know, abusing alcohol as a way to cope and that became its own issue in time. And so, um, so I sort of, you know, ended up in this situation where I couldn't continue on in um, the way that I had been living my life. I didn't really have well-developed coping skills. And, um, you know, I ran into some people that had introduced me to this idea of mindfulness. And I mean, I 100% took the skeptic's journey. Yeah. So <laughs> I did. I was like, what is this? Because it was so different from the way that I had been um, living my life before it was and so I actually enrolled in the program at U of T because I was like oh it's a you know a well-respected academic Mm -hmm. institution so you know this will be okay and I will admit like I took the first the first course and I was like what is this weird cult it was it was very different but I felt Mm -hmm. better and I was motivated to go back and so you know I've been in recovery for five years now which is great and I found that like I just I kept running into lawyers you know so I was running into lawyers um in a variety of places or like judges or MPs that had been lawyers and you know all these people that were you know thankfully you know doing taking some steps to you know um you know help themselves but the message kept being like oh you know what you should really you know do something like this for lawyers like it's really needed and I went Mm -hmm. and I had a look at the research and you know kind of what the mental health outcomes were and we're like oh you know what like there's something that you know, there's a need here. And so that was sort of what ended up driving me towards the legal profession was more that uh, it came to me more so than like I, 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 you know, chose that for myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. One thing that obviously you've touched on that I'm just starting to learn is that this isn't like a, that hippy dippy trendy thing that I think it's easy to come to. Yeah. I, I know in my life, like, starting law school and onward I've had two points where I like were I was totally burnt out mm-hmm. and um uh I, one was I had like physical health issues and the other one I had mental health issues um this is so the mindfulness stuff that we're talking about is if if, if correct me if I'm wrong is like if to avoid getting there yes but even if you happen to get there you have developed these tools that will make sure that you can deal with it get out quickly enough and not lean on the more destructive things that people usually learn to cope with is that fair yeah yeah actually to make a point to that i just read an article about um sort of the neurophysiological effects of burnout Mm -hmm. and um just to make this kind of quick and simple there's sort of three areas you end up with like a thinning of the prefrontal cortex an enlargement of the amygdala, which is like where our flight mm-hmm. or our fight or flight response mm-hmm. is from, and then also a reduction in gray matter in the anterior cingulate cortex, which is responsible for our emotional regulation. And so the interesting thing is, for through separate
separate research, I know this, and so this yeah. is all like empirically validated, um, that mindfulness actually increases the medial prefrontal cortex and the anterior cingulate cortex and um, and reduces the size of the amygdala. So it's doing the inverse mm-hmm. of what the adverse effects of the burnout are. So it does both. I mean, it's like working out, you know, you stay fit so that, you know, you can, you know, be in good shape. But then also exercise is also good for recovery as well. So if you want to think about, you know, this as like a mind training in that sort of parallel to, you know, what physical exercise is like, then you can make that, you know, kind of make that connection to say, you know, doing it in advance. I'm like building resilience against these stressors, but it also is is similarly applicable as like a recovery or treatment method for um, for burnout and such as well. I the. I just listened to an interview with the Surgeon General of California, mm-hmm. and she's oh. done a lot of work focus on trauma, childhood trauma. Yes. And included in her list of things that, you know, they treat people who experience trauma is mindfulness. And then the other things that we've talked about, like um, exercise and sleep and these yeah. sort of basic things. And this is So this really is not, you know, hippy-dippy stuff. This is like, this is how our brain works. Yeah. So developing these skills will help our brains do well and, yeah. and all, all us do well as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think, um, you know, an important point too to look at this is like, you know, we talk about Tim Ferriss who authored the four hour work week and he says he's like, you know, mindfulness has a branding problem because people right. think it's like, mm-hmm. you know, gurus and yeah. sitting and like chanting om and some white robes and that sort of thing. And yeah, maybe there's a portion of contemplative or spiritual practice that relates to that. But as far as like um, secular mindfulness training, like it doesn't have to incorporate that unless that's something that you want to and um and uh and to your point i mean mindfulness is being used as um treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder and because it does it does impact the regions of the brain that are that i had mentioned before Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and i mean as far as you know we want to talk about lawyers too um and lawyers and you know peak performance if you look at saying you know like law is your trade Mm -hmm. and if you want to be have mastery in your trade or be a master of your trade like sharpen your tools you know your mind Mm -hmm. and your brain are your those are your tools so you know if that's if that's what you're aiming for is to be a master of your trade like it would make sense that you have well you know well honed tools in past episodes i've talked about fixing up the ferrari which darlene did not like (laughs) <laughs> and our brain is like a Ferrari and yeah. you got to, you know, you got to maintain it. Well, even if we refer to like we did a um, an episode on Relentless, the book by Michael Jordan's coach back in, from back Phil in the day. Uh, Phil Jackson? Um, no, no. It wasn't Michael Jordan. This was coach. a guy who had worked... Tim Grover was his yeah, name. Yeah, okay. yeah. And he was a basketball, like a basketball coach to the to the uber mm-hmm. nba stars and now mike can laugh because a recurring theme as you know is that i know very little about sports and don't know at all who michael jordan's coach is but anyway we did this episode and it was because i had been given this book as a gift and i really was like you know peak performance is obviously it, it had it doesn't have a branding problem in sports mm-hmm. right like every yeah like Kobe Bryant doesn't think that he just has to read a book about how to play basketball. Like it's so weird that in law we're like, oh, you can't possibly have all of these peak performance. You know, you can't like diet has nothing to do with good law. Like we mm-hmm. can't say that anymore. It obviously does. Health does. Mental health. Um, getting into the zone. All these concepts that are well understood in sports, we have to get into them. Yeah. You know, of course we do. I just think it's a, f- yeah. a function of like. I don't know, is it arrogance or is it just that we've all been brought up as such brain driven? I know all the answers. There can't possibly be an answer that is mysterious to me. Like, what is it? Do you think? Um, I mean, I think there is a little bit of um, that kind of culture um, that has happened. I think also there's a little bit of and that this I think is going to be a great thing for us to talk about, too, is really talking about, you know, what stress about stress, because I think stress gets this yeah. umbrella term mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll get the, um, uh, you know, my, my dad's an engineer, so he's a real linear thinker and he'll say, you know, oh, well, you know, I'd stress motivates you and this sort of thing. And he's not wrong. So it depends on, you know, there's when we talk about stress you know, we're talking about stress on a continuum where we're talking about the demand and the effort required. And so, 
you know, when we have like low effort, low demand, that's just being a bunch of lazy apes sitting around doing nothing and it's boring. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I'm not by any means saying that we're looking to get like to a zero stress state, but then you sort of have this bell curve where you get where, you know, your effort or ability matches the demand. And that's the area that's like you stress. So that's where that's a positive stress. And we need that. We need that, you know, for growth, for motivation, for all of those sorts of things. And then what happens, though, is when the demand starts to outpace the effort or the skill, then you start to get into distress. Or if you have kind of like a mm. chronic stressors where you're not, I mean, our bo- human beings are really well designed to have like moments of peak stresses followed by recovery and stress and recovery. And we live in a society that really sort of has drawn this out into this, you know, line where our, our base level is like this, you know, stress. And then there's yeah. like, we don't have that recovery time. And then when we really get into this like long-term chronic stress or distress period, that's when you start to get into burnout and the, you know, illness, which is marked by exhaustion, um, cynicism, and a lack of efficacy. I so did not understand stress. I still don't at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, to me, stress was, and I'm starting to learn otherwise, and this has been years, but to me, stress was just like literally being out of control. Mm-hmm. Like a person who has none of it together. I thought that, or like, or being in a situation in which you were stressed. Yeah. I did not understand the long term state sort of thing and the effect yeah. that that can have. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think the thing that I've become most comfortable with with stress is that I think I once thought stress was something you could totally avoid, like mm-hmm. you were saying. And I think that when you have a profession like ours, we can't totally avoid it. But there, it doesn't feel the same way to me that it once did. So for example, I will be preparing for a stressful call and I will not feel like I will, I will understand the stories layered on top of my stress, mm-hmm. right? So I'll be able to kind of take a step back and, and just focus on what is actually happening. And I don't think I had that ability in the beginning. To me, that's kind of like, it's a, a function of mindfulness, but also just perspective a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think with um, what you're speaking to is one of the benefits of uh, of mindfulness because it does, um, you know, increase, you know, there's attention and focus and all of that sort of thing. But there's also this ability to be more objective mm-hmm. and sort of take the role of observer so and, and in order to do that, then you're able to sort of change how you perceive things. And so when we were talking about, you know, those stress, you know, effort, demand, business, stuff like that, like some of that is how we per- like we perceive how difficult things are, how our what our abilities are. And so, you know, although like we may not have control over the you know sort of external dynamics of a situation, how we see that or see ourselves within that situation there, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of room to do work in there. And so one thing that you're talking to, talking about Darlene is like the stories layered on top and for you know a lot of people that's sort of like this like background like tape playing or chatter and that's what I'm saying like the, the, the opportunity to bring that into our awareness mm-hmm. and sort of like you know you get to kind of like Marie Kondo your brain your thoughts in a way <laughs> yeah, yeah yes. where it's like you know it does all kinds of great things like get rid of you know take away the stuff that's not useful or just be able to be like okay that's there but you know, I don't, I don't need to get hooked on to that thing. Or, you know, the one of the benefits of that, too, is, you know, reducing your cognitive load, you know, when you're not experiencing that sort of anticipatory anxiety going into something difficult, you know, that makes life easier for you. So these are emerging into three practical tips, which was going to be my next question. <laughs> okay. But it's, I think, the idea of sort of reducing mental noise. Mm-hmm. So think even just being aware that that's a thing right I think that's that's good um the second thing that you said is this idea of um reducing cognitive load so just focusing on the thing that actually in this situation needs to be focused on Mm -hmm. because I think there's sometimes you can just make things bigger on your Mm -hmm. own um anything else that you would say is like a practical in the moment tip for lawyers I mean I feel like you know we're giving this sort of like these directions to go but I've it's all right with you I want to give you actually some really practical tips to practice these things we're talking about let's do that so if we want to start talking about an awareness practice and and I know there's this idea especially with you know individuals that already have very full schedules or it's like oh god not another thing to add and so you know one one way to start practicing mindfulness is to bring it into something that you do already and uh, particularly something that we often do on autopilot so taking a shower 
or like brushing your teeth. I was thinking about this this week. Okay. I'm going to tell you about it now. Mike looks so excited right now. He does look so excited. Oh, no. I feel so validated, (laughs) Um, which I crave. Um, So I was in the shower and I thought, why do people love showers so much? Everybody loves a shower. And it's because there is everything is tuned out. Mm -hmm. There is nothing. Other, yeah. other than just the feeling yeah. and the sound and, and yeah. you're isolated and that is nice, especially yeah. if you're a parent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes. It, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's the opportunity too for us to kind of get into ruminating when we're in those spaces yeah. too, like your mind's just kind of yeah. wandering. And so you're actually doing the thing that I was going to suggest, mm. whereas, you know, when you're in the shower, and I know it is like, there's a lot a lot of mindfulness or like formal mindfulness practice involves uh, focusing on the breath so if that's something that you don't feel comfortable doing you know a shower or brushing your teeth is a good way because you can just like pay attention to the sensation of the water on your body and if your mind just kind of starts to wander just you know pull it back Mm -hmm. and um, that brings us you know into another point about the practice is you know this idea that my mind's supposed to be blank or this that or the other like being distracted and bringing your attention back is the practice. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like if there was no distraction, it'd be like lifting weights with no resistance. Yeah. Like, you know, so it is like that is the mm. practice. It doesn't matter how many times you bring it back. Like that's where you're strengthening that attentional focus. So, yeah, paying attention to either the sensation of brushing your teeth or in the shower. Um, another one is to engage in mindful listening. Mm-hmm. So um, an example would be, you know, thinking of, you know, how often we often listen to respond rather than actually listening. And uh, a good place for this with lawyers would be, you know, if you're listening to, say, maybe a judge or opposing counsel. And rather than really listening, you're starting to kind of like formulate what your response is going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to encourage bringing this into practice to just listen take a moment to formulate the response and then respond. And the benefit for that is you'll probably, you know, show up as being kind of more balanced and confident. And then also likely your responses are going to be more thoughtful. And so then the third tip that I had kind of come up with for you guys is to actually look at incorporating some form of like formal meditation practice. And the reason why um, I bring this up is like the meditation practice is you know, it's kind of like if you're trying to learn a new language that there's like practices to support the language learning. So if you want like mindfulness to be sort of like your new language of being, Mm -hmm. then the meditation practice is like those formal practices that are going to support your fluency. The important thing here is that it doesn't have Mm. to be something that's, you know, really arduous or time intensive. I mean, grab an app, start with, you know, three to 10 minutes a day. Um, I'm going to have some stuff on Insight Timer soon. So I know Darlene uses that Mm -hmm. app, which is going to be good too. Um, You know, uh, even just sitting down and focusing on your breath for three minutes. Um, And it's much more about consistency than it is about duration. So just like do it. And then the um, other option, too, would be to join, if you want to, to join some sort of community. Um, As you said, I'm uh, working with the Mindfulness and Law Society. And so Richard Rubin, who's a a professor of law in Missouri, he's the chair and director there. And he has Mindful Mondays Mm. at 3 p.m., which is a virtual, uh, it's a virtual meditation session, guided meditation session. So you can actually go in if that's something that, you know, people are interested in. scheduled meeting people can book in their calendar. In their calendar, yes. And you can leave if you don't, you can have some sort of like, if it's a anonymity thing that you're looking for, I mean, you don't have to put your video on and you could have some sort of like, you know, code name for yourself if you really wanted to. I'm sure that they would be fine with that. (laughs) Uh, Those are very good doable tips, practical things people can easily implement into their lives. Do you get pushback from people when you try to engage them? Like, obviously, they engage you. And then you're like, hey, thanks so much. Now you have to do some work. Are often people like hesitant to do so? Are they scared to do so? Or or do you find lawyers usually Uh, jump into this? I think that there's a lot of different kind of contributing factors. And it, of course, depends on the individual. Um, You know, I uh, had a chat about this with um, uh, um, with Professor Rubin about where the sort of trend in or movement in mindfulness is in law. And so there's we mapped it over. There's sort of three pillars of mindfulness training, the first one being attention, the second one being awareness, and the third one being action. And they said, you know, if we want to kind of look at it from that point of view, I think the legal profession is kind of they're at the awareness stage. So we haven't quite hit the action piece yet. 
But I mean, there's the exciting thing that's going on is, you know, it was about three years ago that I went to have the e-learning programs I have accredited by the Law Society, now Law Society of Ontario. And, you know, I had to change the language a bit to kind of fit it in so that it, the, you know, the categories of professional wellness didn't even really exist yeah. yet as far as professionalism, mm. yeah. CPD is concerned. And even to the point where, you know, I had a conversation with someone who was in um, at the Law Society about their programming and they were like, yeah, we have no intention of including this in our programming. And I mean, that was just over two years ago. And now we look at, mm. so it's, I mean, there's yeah. momentum happening, like to go from two years ago, people being like, yeah, we have no interest in this to saying like okay this is an important part Mm -hmm. of you know supporting lawyers and you know their responsibility because it is more I mean healthy you know healthy having healthy lawyers is good for you know the lawyer and their immediate relationships but it also has benefits I mean to you know kind of the ethical component Mm -hmm. of lawyering on a larger basis Um, it's applies to risk management I mean it's good for business it's good for society it's good for individuals so I mean that's a really you know really exciting um, trend Mm -hmm. to see happening but as far as you know resistance is concerned there is going to I mean there is still you know some of that stigma and some of it I think is like external stigma and some of it is like a self stigma where you know, and that's why I think like being able to look at this through the angle of like improving performance and increasing resilience. I mean, why not get people before it turns into, I mean, a dumpster fire, if that's yeah. what it's going to be. And, um, Are you watching the debate and the Democrat? I actually am pretty good. I actually used. am pretty good about what my my um, kind of like media inputs are. Um, OK, that's wise. So uh I um, anyways back on to the dumpster <laughs> where we've gone on this like avoid the other dumpster we've fires. gone on this dumpster yeah. fire tangent now um yeah but yeah I think the the idea too is like you know there's a you know this sense that needing to be able to hack it or that it's something like mm-hmm. you know show no show no weakness and I think that cultural piece really needs to to go. to go um I mean there people are you know everybody suffers people Mm -hmm. are you know people are struggling and um i think really being able to change the attitude around you know self-care being part of sharpening your tools as opposed to something that people need because they can't keep up Mm -hmm. is an important narrative you know to go along with well and part of what mike and i have been trying to do is just to align this these ideas with high performance Mm -hmm. more than like i'm i'm i believe they have a role in mental health i also believe that a lot of lawyers say mental health is something other people struggle with and to me we're all on um you know a spectrum that can be triggered by crisis and you know if you don't have good coping skills as you were mentioning I mean, we have had a very high level of alcoholism Mm -hmm. and um, lots of suicide in our profession. And the answer cannot be that we don't talk about it honestly and openly and try to figure out solutions other than just being like, well, you know, law is tough because I don't think that's it. So, so much of what we do is that we acknowledge that this profession can trigger and is stressful. Mm -hmm. That is true. And so much of that is what the profession is. And so much of that is lack of coping. So if we can just like separate the two and make some progress over here, that's kind of what we're trying to do. In the end, it's like people, largely much of our work is like people are like, hey, here's a complicated problem. Mm -hmm. I need you to solve it. And personally, if I was giving somebody my problem, if I could choose between like an overworked person who goes home and drinks all night or a person who works a reasonable amount and meditates at night, when they wake up at, you know, on Tuesday morning, I want the meditator working on my problem, you know, mm-hmm. who's yeah. somebody who has these skills. And so it is a very, it's, you know, selfishly, uh, professionally, it's it's extremely useful to be able to have these skills built. And so you have coping mechanisms and you're well situated for those complicated and difficult issues. Absolutely. If you're reactive, like in our profession, some of the things that um, can be tied to not having good coping skills are being overly reactive, right? Yeah. That can be completely Mm -hmm. destructive in a negotiation to react instead of just like letting it kind of sit and realizing what the best position is to come back with. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
Um, so much of this training is just to see where does it appear in your own legal practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mike and I negotiate a lot. So for us, that's where it appears. Litigators are in court a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you do things like mindful listening? Like that to me seems like a great tool to use in the courtroom setting. But also in the Mm pre-courtroom, all the times when you can settle a matter, if you can just get yourself out of the way, focus on the what's going on, um, stay calm, see the path. These are these are high performance um, methods that you're talking about. So yeah. maybe do you have a challenge for us <laughs> and our listeners just to kind of bring this to um, into line with our season? Every week we're doing this challenge. I'm open to what you may suggest that I do to improve this my This is fun. It's the first where we have no control over yeah, the challenge. Yeah, we have no control. She could say anything. She could tell us to do anything and we have to do <laughs> it because it's basically live. Yeah. long meditation retreat. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, I'll just tell my husband. You know, I, actually, I actually don't recommend that as like the intro, like entry intro. point. Right, that's like running a marathon before you've uh, run a kilometer. Yeah. Five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah exactly. pretty much. So, yeah. And I mean, we'll have to get continue the conversation about how this all relates to flow. At oh, some I, I, I would love some to talk point. about flow again because I'm yeah. obsessed with it. Yeah. I really yeah, that's am. something yeah. we can and uh, yeah. we can tie this all into flow. Uh, you know, okay, good. Some other, we'll have another flow. One. Okay. Some other time. But um, yeah, actually, um, I kind of thought that I would have a uh, like a unique challenge for each of you and then you could come back and talk okay. about your independent experience um so i brought the uh the muse brain sensing headband it's a wearable eeg and okay. so you can use that uh, it works with uh your phone uh, mobile there's a mobile app that works with it and so it actually trains uh focused attention through um meditation and so i brought mine that I'm willing to lend oh to you, goodness. Darlene, okay. for the week, if you want to give that a go. <laughs> my brain waves. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, you're I'll in. I'll do that. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll do that. And then uh, and then the one, I actually had two for uh, for Mike. So one was uh, to she bring She thinks in... Mike needs double the challenge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> double down. So you get a fun app. Yeah. <laughs> Something to yeah. put Mike, on your head and Mike watch. Mike yeah. has 200%. We just met and you need two. Um <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, what I was thinking is, um, Mike, if you could bring in, uh, there's this tool called box breathing or tactical breathing or square okay. breathing, depending on what area. Um, and I mean, for people who think this stuff is too soft, they use this in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it is, is a breathing practice that actually helps. It's really good at reducing, um, you know, any anxiety, okay. engaging your parasympathetic nervous system. So it's a good thing to do in general. Mm-hmm. And it's also a really great tool if you know, like you're feeling anxious or, you know, um, you, you know that you're going into something that's going to be stressful. And so right. the way that that works is... For whatever period of time, generally people start with about three to four minutes, but you're going to breathe in for the count of four, hold it for the count of four, exhale for the count of four, hold that for the count of four, and then just continue Right, hence doing the box. that. Okay, I hence get it. the yeah. box. So you can imagine yeah. like going around a box, and mm-hmm. you can do the counting if you need to. Okay. So it's really, it's really, really good for sort of like down regulating your nervous system when, um, you know, when you're feeling really activated. And then, uh, and then the other one that I wanted to give you was more on kind of like an embodied cognition practice. Okay. So, you know, we do know that um, the brain and the body are not like separate entities and mm-hmm. that, you know, building connectivity and integration between those two is really important. And mindfulness does a really good job of this as well. But what I had in mind for you was um, anytime that you're going into some sort of interaction Mm -hmm. to use an embodied cognition practice. And one of those is going to be to change your posture, to stand, you know, with a little bit more dignified posture and more dignified, more dignified. (laughs) And I'm going to keep my comments to myself. Yeah. Darlene's going to have to keep (laughs) I'm quietly laughing in the corner of this couch. Um, And the reason for this is, you know, there is uh, research that shows that um, having a slouch posture actually increases cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and decreases testosterone. This is both for men and women. And um, testosterone is important for, you know, feeling confident. And so when you, you know, take that posture, it it will reduce cortisol and increase testosterone. And then the other one, you guys can try this with me quickly if you want, is um, is facial expressions. So, okay, I want you to frown and try and think of happy thoughts. And then smile and try and think of, I don't know, something horrible. 
Like it's kind of, I know you're laughing. Yeah, I know. It's but it's hard. hard. It's, it's hard. hard. And that's because that's what, you know, embodied cognition is, is mm-hmm. how we were, you know, we process things based on our bodily state. So just the act of smiling right. increases your sort of, po- it has positive affect. So I want you to, to do that. Work on your posture and try the smiling before, you know, you're going into a phone call or a difficult conversation or even, you know what, like if you're coming home from work and you had a rough day, like before you walk through the door to your family. Mm-hmm. Give that one a try. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. I'm excited about that. And and I'll, unless our listeners have a, a Muse, what is it called? Muse. Yeah, the Muse brain sensing headband. Yeah. So unless they have one of those, they can come along the journey with me. Yeah. Uh, and if you happen to have a Muse brain sensing head- headband, then you can do the Darling Challenge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah. I if- wish we had. 20 more hours to talk yes we will we may have to have a follow-up but i think this is a good start and when we report on our results next week we will potentially have to come up with some sort of follow-up we might need more training right at minimum we seem to need more training yeah mike needs double (laughs) i just need i just need a tiny bit of training the other thing i want to point out and we'll we'll maybe we'll post a, a picture on our various social media the three of us match which is very oh, exciting. Yeah, Mike We're all wearing denim and black in one way or another. It's true. It's true. Well, I think you and I have the Canadian tuxedo the Canadian going tu- on today. And I was today. nervous about wearing a Canadian tuxedo today. So yeah, we're totally aligned. We'll, we'll grab a picture. Uh, My arm's not long enough to yeah. grab a picture of this right now. Darlene's taking not a live action selfie during the recording. Here, hold on. This is going to be for Lawyer Life Pod. Can Mike get in there? Okay. So That's we'll try to post those. Podcast. That's what people want. Yeah. Some visuals. A silent photo uh, <laughs> session. Okay. Anyway, Sarah, that can be coming um, up. we are so appreciative. We're going to be right back after this and we'll come back with our goods and grapes. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with our goods and gripes. Goods are things we want to promote and support, and gripes are things that annoy us. Sarah. Okay, good. Do you have one of either? Um, yeah, so goods, I mean, my good is that, you know, that we're having this conversation. Because yeah. I think it's really important. Yeah. So I know that's kind of, you know, it's great. not super specific. It is very good. It, it's, it's, it's good. Like, this feels good. Yeah. Um, gripes. I, uh, um, I was actually, wa- this is the first time I was walking downtown. I commuted in and, um, you know, there are a number of people walking around, like, on their cell phones as they're walking and just... So when we're talking about lack of awareness. Yes. uh, And part of me, like, you know, just so you know, mindful people still get frustrated too. Um, (laughs) Part of me just wants to clothesline them and it's like... More time with the muse. And and they're missing potentially mindful time. They are. This is what Lack of awareness. Yeah. There's nothing nothing greater than just going for a walk outside and and, and paying attention to what you're doing. That's also another good mindful activity, mindful walking. Yeah. Mindful walking. And also just like think of all the time that we used to spend like waiting in line at the bank. Mm -hmm. Just quietly. Bring bring back boredom. Bring back boredom. I I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Good or gripe, darling? Do you have one? Oh, I thought you were going to say that's your good. Um, my good, as you know, I'm in this book club and I get assigned these books. Book and the, club. Book club. <laughs> this one might come for a lawyer book club. This <laughs> might actually be a good fit for the pot. I've been reading Bad Blood, which is the story of um, the Theranos mm, scandal in yes. Silicon Valley. And I just have to say from a, the reason I bring it up on this podcast is that as a as a good is that it is a really interesting look into how the venture capital funded startup world is you, the, this was a fraud for sure. Um, I, I don't know that it started as a fraud. You have to read the book. Um, but in the book, the lawyers, I don't find, come off particularly well. And I think that as a, as a group of people who are interested in looking at law and our profession and making it better and what are we doing and what is the point of being a lawyer, why do we get called to the bar, this book is very interesting mm. because these are people who are very, very um, enabled assisted um the lawyers are there throughout 
And I just, I, it led me to be very reflective. And it's just like the risks, like the situation that they're in, not knowing really the deep science of what the client is doing. Mm. And, you know, really thought-provoking book. So good. Bad situation, though. Um, and gripe, I guess, would be, I watched the Democratic debate <laughs> the other night um, where the word dumpster fire was used for reals in the debate. Um, but I also thought that it was just, I realize that it annoys me when politicians say, they start off their point by saying, I spoke to a woman in El Paso oh, okay. who, and that doesn't work for me. I wonder, does that work for other people? It doesn't work for me because it's like, I want to know their points. And like that point from a, from my lawyerly brain is like irrefutable. Like, is that true? Or did, is that just, just like, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. I just want to hear the answer in a debate. Mm -hmm. That's my gripe. Yeah. The whole debate could be a source of a gripe. Also, it's so hard when there's, 12 people on the stage to know what to do but anyway it's a lot of people Mike? um i have a good and a, and a great uh my wife is among hamilton's 40 under 40 which Yay, is a, that's awesome. a great thing and will be celebrated they have a thing in december with uh various dignitaries I'm very proud of her um i have two gripes two gripes they're very simple one is robocalls i don't know what has happened to me but my phone is just like Blowing up. it's out of control yeah. it's a problem i've got the apps whatever it, oh but it's killing me uh and the second thing is um i don't like just with this election occurring in canada i i kind of want to call this like the tattletale election mm. where i'm just like tired of every party mm. being like yeah but he did this and they yeah. did that and like and it's just like can we just stop this and just talk about what you are going to do for the country and stop digging up useless whatevers about whoever else. And it just gets back and forth slung like mud between them in this weird little conversation. Yeah, that's I, weird. Uh, I'm done with it. It frustrates me. And I need to uh, maybe regulate my media intake habits. Oh, like, yeah, my <laughs> yes. shoulders just went up. And, and yeah, Sarah's very proud of me. Like, straight. I'm going to regulate my media. So self-conscious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're all, oh. I think we're all slouching a bit on this It's couch. a very comfortable couch. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, at any rate, uh, wow, this is so lovely. I'm sad it's ending. Uh, thanks for coming, Sarah, into this yes, space. Yes, thank you. And oh, for being on the Lorelei podcast for the first time, hopefully, of, of many more times. Um, I guess we're done, Darlene. We're done. Thank okay. you. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.